are too holy to even behold evil and so the people of God are meant to be holy as our father in heaven is holy and so God has standards for what holiness is now I realize that even saying that that runs roughshod over our culture that there is a holy God who has holy standards and he wants something different from us than what we might want to do on our own but that is what the Bible teaches One of the most popular ideals in our culture right now is that you should do what makes you happy, what you think is right for you. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, God wants more for you than what makes you feel good in the short term. Because he's perfect, his standards are different from yours, especially when it comes to intimacy and marriage. Please be aware that this message deals with topics that are for mature audiences only. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, as he begins his message, Talking Marriage. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22. Deuteronomy, chapter 22, as we continue our study here through the book of of Deuteronomy, and only when you're teaching verse by verse through books in the Bible does anybody ever take these passages. And so as just a reminder, this is going to be a message for mature audiences only, and I know that maturity isn't always based on age, but this is dealing with mature subject matter, so be careful with your little ones listening to this message. So marriage is one of the cornerstones of God's design for humanity. A husband and a wife, and the family being the primary discipling agent for our children. But marriage isn't just about the joy or the love between a man and a woman. It's meant to be a picture of something so much greater. Because the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 reminds the church in Ephesus that the marriage between a man and a woman, the oneness in that marriage is actually a picture of Jesus and his church. And it's such a reminder to us that when marriages break down, how it breaks down the picture of the faithfulness between Jesus and his church. And so there are all sorts of laws in the Bible about how families are meant to function and how marriages are meant to function. And it's interesting that The passage that we're going to take tonight as we take Deuteronomy 22, verses 13 to 30, right, this kind of second half of Deuteronomy 22, a lot of these passages are when people don't want to believe in the Bible and they want to have reasons not to believe, they'll pick out some of these verses. And so I want to talk about these verses as they exist in the scriptures, and I also want to help you understand how to deal with these verses, because some of the stuff in here is pretty challenging. So I know you all just can't wait to get on in, and some of you are thinking, I'm just so happy I'm not Fusco right now. Let's just jump on in, shall we? You guys excited? I'm not. Okay, let's go. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 13 says, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct... 
and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. Then the father and the mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as wife, and he detests her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of the city shall take that man and punish him, and they shall fine him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he has brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. But if this thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from among you. (laughs) I heard a few of those wows. And now everybody's thinking to themselves, I'm just so grateful I'm not Fusco right now. I want to unpack this, but I want to unpack it with the very last verse and the last thing that I read first. Because look at what it says in verse 22. So you shall put away the evil from among you. So what this means is that what God's desire is for his people is that the things that God declares to be evil, these are things that are not, they're put away from the people. They're separated from the people of God. So God is interested in his people being different, being pure, not finding themselves linked up with evil. Okay, And that's what God is always concerned about because you have to always remember that the God of the Bible, the true and living God, the God who created and sustains everything, this God is perfect. It says in the scriptures that God's eyes are too holy to even behold evil. And so the people of God are meant to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. And so God has standards for what holiness is. Now, I realize that even saying that, that runs roughshod over our culture, that there is a holy God who has holy standards and he wants something different from us than what we might want to do on our own. But that is what the Bible teaches. Now, don't miss the fact that God realizes that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none who are holy in and of themselves except for Jesus himself. And Jesus, the Holy One, died on the cross for the sins of the world to share his holiness with us. So God just wants to do a a transformational work in each one of our lives, right? But in the area of our sexuality and our sexual activity, God has some very specific things to say. Now, to jump on into this specific account, notice it says in verse 13, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and he detests her and he charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman. When I came into her, I found that she was not a virgin. So what this happens, this is telling a story of a man who marries a woman, and then they consummate the marriage with sexual relations. But notice it says that he detests her. Now, to put this in context, in the culture that this is being written into, men, it was a staunchly patriarchal society, and women, although valued, were considered property, right? And you have to realize that 
Every culture on earth was like that until Jesus came. Jesus was the great liberator of women. You have to know that. You look at any culture that doesn't have the gospel of Jesus Christ at its foundation and look at the way women are treated. Now, I'm not saying that America or the West is all the way where it needs to be. We're not. But every culture that doesn't have the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ as its foundation, women are treated completely differently. So women were in a vulnerable situation in this culture. And I've told you before that women who were unmarried and who were childless were completely vulnerable. Women were not allowed to work outside of their homes. They couldn't earn a living like women are allowed to do today. And so a woman who gets married and then her husband says that she has done something wrong, this woman is in a very vulnerable situation. So this, everything that's gonna follow here is actually God's provision to protect women in that culture. So when people start saying all this stuff about, oh, look at how crazy, no, you don't even realize. You like read history, read extra biblical history, not stuff in the Bible, but about what culture, like read about what it was like for women in the Persian empire or in the Egyptian empire. And then you read something like this and you realize this is completely different because this is God's way to protect women. Because a woman who was accused of doing something that was shameful was ostracized in her community and completely vulnerable. So the fact that this is in here, it might seem strange to us, but it's God's ways of protecting women. So you have a man, he detests her. So the idea is there's something that he doesn't like in his wife, right? And if this man charges her with shameful conduct... If she brings accusation against her, then notice what happens in verse 15. It says, then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city gates. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as wife, and he now detests her. Now he has charged her, verse 17, with shameful conduct, saying, I have found your daughter was not a virgin. And yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. So what would go on is on the wedding night, on the night that the marriage was consummated, for a woman who was a virgin, oftentimes there would be blood from the breaking of her hymen. And so the parents would keep the bed sheets as evidence that my daughter truly was a virgin when you got married to her. Now, I realize this sounds very archaic, and I know someone's going to say, well, that hymen can break in lots of different ways and all this stuff. You know, she was riding a horse. And, and I, I know all these things. But the idea is that this was meant to be a protection for her because if a husband decided he wanted to get rid of his wife, right, he could accuse her of anything. And in that culture, she would be vulnerable. So the parents would keep the bed sheets, which would have the evidence of the fact that she was a virgin, right? And so what would happen is if there was an accusation made, the man wasn't just agreed with, yep, you're right, she's horrible and you can get rid of her. Now there has to be evidence that needs to be brought. Now, you realize how powerful this is because you realize that an accusation can completely shipwreck someone's life. There needs to be evidence to go along with the accusation. And the parents would keep the evidences of this in the event that there was a possible problem, right? And so the mom and the dad, they would bring the wedding night sheets out and they say, look, here it is. And notice, it's not a he said, she said. The elders of the city have to make a decision over this. This is all protection for this woman because if it's found that she wasn't a virgin, it's a capital crime. And so the elders of the cities, notice in verse 18, they shall take the man if they find this evidence of her virginity and they shall punish him. 
They shall find him a hundred shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he has brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel and she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her. So you see how powerful this is? See, you all realize that in the 10 commandments, one of the commandments is you shall not bear false witness. So now in this case, if a man bears false witness against his bride because for whatever reason he wants to divorce her, not only does he have to pay her parents for smearing their name, and 100 shekels was most likely double the dowry that he would pay. 50 shekels was a common bride price for a bride to the family. He's got to pay double that, and it says that he can never divorce her. You see what a powerful... Now, you might say if a woman, well, I wouldn't want to stay with a guy who would do that. And that's a very 21st century thing to say because you can work outside the home and all these things. In that culture, there weren't the same options. And so her father receiving reparations for the smearing of his family name, that was a helpful thing. The fact that this man is never allowed to divorce her, that's a very good thing. Because if the guy's going to make up lies about her, then he'll come up with some other way. And now he says, no, no, you get one shot. If you do that and you're lying, you can never divorce her. You have to take care of her for the rest of your life. And all of this is a protection. It's a protection for the woman. Now, but at the same time, notice it says in verse 20, but if the thing is true and evidences of her virginity is not found, verse 20, for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. Now, I want you to notice a few things about this. One, that sexual promiscuity, according to the law of God, is punishable by death. Now, you know what you have to remember about this? Because someone's like, wow, that's harsh. Everything that is a sin is punishable by death in the Bible. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. If you have a prideful thought, that's punishable by death. If you're selfish, that's punishable by death. If you think that you're better than everyone, you look down on everybody because you're so holy, guess what? That's punishable by death too. See, the Bible places a very high standard on the life of the followers of God and rebellion against that standard, the wages of sin is death. But we do live in a culture that does not value personal purity. It doesn't value it. And so the idea that a woman who would have sex outside of marriage would be punishable by death sounds absurd to our culture. But the question you have to ask yourself is, does our culture have a clue what the standards of God are? And you know what the answer is? It doesn't. Sexual immorality is paraded and celebrated in our culture. Our culture celebrates what God abhors. Now, I know for some people right now, you're hearing this and you're saying, okay, so like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, this is all craziness. I've made mistakes before. And listen, in Christ, no matter who you are and what you've done, there is forgiveness in Christ. And I'm grateful for that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I did not keep God's standards of purity. I didn't. I didn't even know. And there's grace if you make those mistakes. But if you're here right now and you are in Christ, then don't do these things that you're not supposed to do. And I'll be honest with you, it's totally heartbreaking for me as a pastor to watch my brothers and sisters in Christ pretend that because our culture has a view of sexuality that is completely against the purposes and plans of God, and we say, we love Jesus, and we just go do that stuff anyway because that's what everyone else does. And I'm here to tell you, that's rebellion 
It's flat out rebellion against God. See, because what God is saying about our sexuality, and if you're a person who's single right now, you're like, well, that's no fun. Listen, God's not saying not ever. He's just saying not yet. Why? Because God knows that the expression of human sexuality in the bonds of marriage, there's safety for you within the covenant of marriage. When two people make a commitment to be one flesh, spirit, soul, and body, to have that, the relationship, the true relationship that brings what sexuality is really, it's meant to be the embodiment of something way deeper than just two bodies coming together. And what happens is, is if that we're not careful, we allow the world that doesn't know anything about God to set our sexual ethics instead of the true and living God. And it puts us in a completely vulnerable position in every way. In every way. Like, I'll meet a couple and they'll be like, listen, so we're dating, we want to get married. And it's funny, I'll ask them, like, so are you guys sexually active? I ask that question. I, absolutely, that's my job. And they say, we are. I'm like, well, you need to stop being. You know why? Because when couples are sexually active before marriage, the sex gets in the way of them making good decisions. That's what happens. It blinds you. Because sexuality is very powerful. And Satan knows it, and he knows it. If I can get people's eyes off of me and onto each other's bodies, I can get them to make all sorts of dumb decisions. I can get them to wreck their lives. But listen, God wants you to be pure. And listen, if you're here today and you're a single person and you are living in an impure way, listen, ask the Lord for forgiveness and make a new commitment to start following Jesus in your singlehoodness. Not because God is a prude, but because God wants you to have the most amazing lovemaking you can ever imagine within the covenant of marriage. But listen, let's not be naive. For those of you who are married, there's many of us who are here today who are married who are sexually impure as well. Whether you're looking at some junk on the internet or you're flirting with someone at the office or whatever it is, listen, God's standard for purity is a high standard because we are not just anybody, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I always use this example because I love it so much. I love my kids, right? So when my kids' friends come over, I don't bring out the fine china to feed them little hot dogs. Now, we don't even actually have fine china, but if we did, we wouldn't put those in front of Obadiah's friends to save our lives. Why? Because the fine dining instruments are for special occasions. When it's little kids, you just roll out the paper plates. You know what I mean? If they rip them, if they break them, doesn't matter. But you don't bring out the fine china for the little kids. And in the same way, my brothers and sisters, in God's economy, you are the fine china. And you're just not for everyone's use, whoever tells you the nice things that they tell you or whoever chats you up and snaps you up on Snapchat so that they can do whatever they want to do. No, you're not those. You are God's special ones. And because you are God's special ones, then you are reserved for special occasions. And see, that's what it is. Our culture wants you to have a low view of yourself and God's word wants you to have the proper view of yourself that you are not just a body, you are not just usable by anybody who says the right things or catch you on the right day, but you are set apart for the Lord. And we need to make sure that in our decision-making, we allow ourselves to be set apart for the Lord. And I realize that in a sexualized culture, that can be very hard, but God's sons and daughters, they fight that battle. Because we realize that our world misses the point. 
I mean, it's amazing to me that literally in 60 years in America, we can go from a country and a culture that valued personal purity to one that actually, if you are pure, they would tell you that you're nuts. That's how drastically the world has shifted. I love it when people tell me, they say, you know, so Fusco, like I know you're a Christian and stuff, but like, you know, Christianity and its sexual ethics is socially regressive. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, what has liberated sexuality really gotten our culture? Like, what has it really gotten us? Like, so everyone does whatever they want, but what do we have? We have sexually transmitted diseases. We have now 60 million aborted babies. I mean, so it's doing great. It's genocide. Like, what does it really get us? I'm like, how many times has somebody had a broken heart because they got involved in things that God says don't get involved in outside of the covenant of marriage? What does it really get us? It doesn't get us anything. And many of you know what I'm talking about because you've had those experiences where you've made those mistakes and you deal with the brokenness that you feel in your own heart, the mistakes that have been made. So I believe that for those of you who are followers of Jesus, God calls us to a more excellent way. The way of love, the way of we deny ourselves. See, we don't need to give in to the temptations of the moment because we know that God has a better plan. And when you are willing to say, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm not gonna follow the world that we live in, I'm here to tell you, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, isn't it? You say, Lord, I'm gonna choose your direction. I'm gonna choose your way. Now, moving on from there, look what happens next in verse 22. It says, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from Israel. Verse 23, if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife so you shall put away the evil from among you. Verse 25, but if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death, for just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the countryside and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. Jesus is real. Funhouse Mirrors present a twisted reality, making you look different than you really do. Today, you learn that just like those mirrors, this culture wants you to have a distorted view of yourself, minimizing you down to just a body. But that's not who God says you are. You are precious and spectacular. God wants you to live in light of who he says you are, not because he's being controlling, but because you're worth more than you even realize. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. 
you can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues this discussion about marriage and intimacy. He'll invite you to study more laws God gave the Israelites and how they apply to us now. You'll be challenged to consider if there are ways that you are unfaithful to the Lord. As a reminder, this teaching will deal with sensitive topics that are for mature audiences only. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Blueprints. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.